0: See, God didn't ask us to understand every inner working of His plan. He simply asked us to be obedient and follow Him. See, He said God would give us the peace that passes all understanding, that surpasses, that exceeds our very comprehension, which by nature says we can't comprehend it. You know, a lot of times we want successes in our lives But if we truly trust God, he understands what we can handle and what we can't handle because God understands that the higher we rise, the more people want to bring us down. And so if you're going to have success, you're going to have to learn to ride those highs and those lows with the peace that passes all understanding. In today's world, we are faced with decisions, stresses, and potential make-or-break moments in our lives. How do we handle the pressures that come with daily life as a Christian? In today's message, we look at the story of Joseph, his journey, and the peace of God that passes all understanding. Amen. I want to talk to you this morning about the peace that passes all understanding, more importantly, the peace above comprehension. And I want you to think about three things as I go through this message this morning. One of those is, what is it? What is the peace of God? How do you get the peace of God and then what do you do with it once you have it? So as we think about that, I want to look at Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, and I'm just going to dive right in here this morning. It says, And the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the important parts of that passage hit you right out the gate, right? The peace of God, okay? And it's going to, it's going to guard our hearts, it's going to guard our minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you know we need protection for our hearts and our minds? You know, there's a lot of things vying for our attention in this world every day, every minute, every hour. And it's a constant struggle with our flesh and us trying to put it in line with God and His Word. And so if we learn to find that peace of God that passes all understanding, the peace of God which surpasses all comprehension, then we no longer have to worry about guarding our hearts and our minds, but we allow God to guard our hearts and our minds, and his track record is perfect. Our track record is spotty, but his is perfect. If we learn to do it his way, then we won't have any issues. You know, when I got to looking at that word surpass, it says surpasses all comprehension. It doesn't just mean, you know, just passes by. It actually means to become better, greater or stronger than, exceed. So when you think about exceeding our comprehension, is it no wonder that we don't understand how it works? See, God didn't ask us to understand every inner working of His plan. He simply asked us to be obedient and follow Him. See, He said God would give us the peace that passes all understanding, that surpasses, that exceeds our very comprehension, which by nature says we can't comprehend it. We're in a situation that by all standards says that we should be freaking out, we should be stressed out, and yet the peace of God comes over us and we're not. Let me give you some examples as you think about the peace that passes all understanding. See, God can give us that that peace in every situation, such as being unhappy in your job. And I thought about that for a while, and I thought, well, if I got the peace, how am I going to be unhappy? And so maybe a better way to say that would be when the struggle is real, when it's difficult, right? When it's not our favorite place to be. The peace that passes all understanding doesn't mean that the ride is gonna be easy. As a matter of fact, when you read the life of Christianity, God never promises that it's gonna be easy. In fact, it's filled with difficulty. All the more reason we need to learn how to find that peace that passes all understanding. So don't misunderstand, just because you have the peace that passes all understanding doesn't mean you won't be in a difficult situation, and so you might be working for an employer or in a position that you're not really fond of. But if you begin to look for God's peace and to understand why you're in that position, then you begin to be fruitful with that position, and you begin to change other people's lives. I don't always understand why God's asked me to do certain things. I can tell you the last particular school that I taught in was a tough situation. Now, after meeting with my leaders and and people in charge of me, I fully believed that their hearts were in the right place. But I also believed that they had created a very stressful environment. And it was very difficult sometimes just to go to work because I knew that stress was potentially going to be there and be on me. And so I began to pray about that, began to ask God how to deal with that. And this is how you deal with it. You pray for that peace that passes all understanding. So you don't have that anxiety. So you're not having a problem going to work and getting up in the morning. You begin to realize that you are making an impact on other people's lives and your attitude affects them. And if you're down, they're down. But if you're up, they're up. And so you begin to ask God to give you that peace. And then all of a sudden you realize Yeah, I guess it is a pretty stressful environment, but I'm not really feeling that stress because God has given me the peace that passes all understanding. Let me give you a few other situations here. How about just a heavy workload in general or too many responsibilities? Sometimes we take on more responsibilities than we've been asked to. I'm I'm guilty of doing that. I want to pitch in. And so sometimes I offer or volunteer to do stuff that nobody necessarily asked me to do. And it ends up creating stress and taking away that peace. But God will give us peace even when we've taken on a heavy workload, even when we've taken on too many responsibilities. What if we have to work long hours or have a spouse who has to work long hours? Or better yet, what if we work for poor management that provide unclear expectations and they give us no say in the decision-making process? Isn't that pretty much all of us? You know, what I figured out was going into education, everybody wants to climb the ladder. Let me rephrase that. In life, everybody wants to climb the ladder. (laughs) And as I get older, I'm now looking for the boss, because it turns out that to meet this level, to be the boss, guess what that boss has? They got a boss. And guess who that boss has? They got a boss. It turns out that every boss has a boss. You're never the one fully in charge, ever. So why do we keep trying to take that away from the one that truly is in charge? But if we have poor management and unclear expectations and no say in the decision-making process, it can create an environment for us that, that creates stress, that takes away our peace. But God can give us the peace that passes all understanding, even though people looking around go, how can you work for a place like that? How can you work in a place like that? How are you not pulling your, your hair out every day because of God? What about working under dangerous conditions? Some people absolutely love their jobs, and they're full of danger. I'm thinking right now of the easy ones, being a firefighter, being a police uh, officer. Extremely dangerous conditions just for those two jobs right there, and that's just to name a couple, and I think you guys can all think of several others. And I know people, they, they love doing what they do, but in order to do that job, they've got to put themselves in harm's way. And so God, being God, can provide that peace That even though the world says, man, why are you not just going crazy because of the environment you're in? How are you not scared? How are you not worried? And God is the one taking care of that and giving us the peace even in those situations. What You know, sometimes we think of stressful situations as only bad things. I've I've named a few of those already, right? But what about the possibility of a promotion or even getting a job? That can be stressful in itself, can't it? That can be nerve-wracking, But God allows us the peace that passes all understanding, especially if we give him that opportunity or that authority to open and close the doors that he wants us to walk through. What that means is when we apply for that position or that job, we have to trust that what happens happens according to God's will, not our will. You know, I got a brother who is extremely qualified but continues to not be able to get the job that he's pursuing right now. And what he and I talk about all the time is the fact that God has another plan. Doesn't mean he won't get that particular position he's looking for sometime in the future, but what he's doing is rather than looking at it negatively, he's looking at it as, okay, Lord, you've got me here for a reason. What do you want me to do? Sometimes just having to give a speech in front of people can bring on stress. You know, if you've talked to me for any length of time, you know, I, I don't have any issues talking. I don't have any issues conversating and I don't have any issues coming up with stories and Bible verses and things of that nature, but it's totally different when you're standing in front of people and you're the one delivering the speech, okay? As I had several people come up and give testimony, that's one of the things we would talk about, uh, about the Tide Testimonies, and they would they would talk with me the same way. Boy, it's totally different when you actually get up there, you've rehearsed everything, you've written it down, you're ready to go, you're on fire, man, you, you, you're, you're ready to light the stage up, and you get up here. And all of a sudden you realize everybody's just staring at you, waiting for you to deliver the goods. What happens if you're delivering the goods and then God allows it to be interrupted by a manifestation? If you're here a few weeks back, the sermon I was preaching then got interrupted. And I I really hesitate to even say that because what God willed to happen, happened. And it was interesting because, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't have been giddy, but I was. And dad asked me later on, he said, man, I, he said, I'm so sorry. And I said, sorry for what? He said, well, your sermon got interrupted. I'm sorry. I said, well, I'm not. I feel pretty privileged. God chose that time while I was preaching and it wasn't that great of a delivery. If you ask me, I've done better. And and I think God used that on purpose so that I couldn't say it was the way I was presenting. You know, we've all been in front of a speaker that just got us electrified and excited and the emotions run high. And we get on fire and excited, and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. I enjoy that quite quite a bit. As a matter of fact, uh, Miguel really did light a fire under everybody, I think, that was here to hear him speak Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Monday. It was phenomenal. It was just absolutely phenomenal. But then there are times we get up in front of people and we speak, and and you're struggling, you're stammering, you're forgetting your place and your words, and then all of a sudden a manifestation happens, and you go, okay, that was good. So I was pretty privileged and excited to be the one that was – you know, preaching at the time that that happened. And I thought it was also interesting that dad has been the one that's been praying about seeing more manifestations and yet God didn't allow it to happen while he was preaching. And I think he did that on purpose because then who gets the credit? The only person that needs the credit is God. And we're in a position where we can't take credit. It was not one of the best sermons I've ever preached in my life. It had great information, don't get me wrong. I'm not, I don't have a problem with that. But the delivery wasn't the best I've ever had, and I could tell that. And so there's no way I can take credit for what happened. And Dad wasn't up here giving the sermon, so there's no way he could take credit for what happened. So God did it the way he wanted to do it. And that's what I think we forget a lot of times, is that when we're asking about the peace that passes all understanding, we want it to happen a certain way because we want to control the outcome of situations. You know, I told you a few weeks ago that my computer bit the dust, and it would not turn on. What I didn't tell you, or if I did, I don't remember telling you, is that I'd been praying that God would improve my computer, make it better. And when I do the the music video and the announcement videos, it takes a lot of memory and a lot of space on that computer. And I was very grateful because my mother bought me that computer. And so I didn't want to go to her and be ungrateful. So to me, I was really caught between a rock and a hard place because I really needed more memory and RAM and and, uh, space on my my computer to be able to do the videos I was doing, but also I didn't want to offend my mother who had been so gracious and generous to buy me that. So I just began to pray about it and God being God did it his way. So my computer died. (laughs) I said, okay, this is not exactly how I planned it out, God. But as I get deeper and deeper into my walk with God and as I'm getting to enjoy his presence more and more uh, by being at the church more often and, and, and in prayer and things, I'm beginning to understand that sometimes when, it, when things break down, you ought to be getting excited because something better is right around the corner. That computer broke down. I talked with my cousin. She said, well, I got a computer that's been sitting here for six months. It's a great computer. I could never get the Wi-Fi to work on it. So I said, forget it. I sat it to the side, and somebody else bought her another computer that's working fine. She said, if you can get it to work, you can have it. So Dad delivered me the computer on Monday. By the way, my computer went down on Thursday. And if I really needed it, that computer was available to me on Friday. But I didn't need it until Monday. So Monday I came in, got it, hooked it up to the Internet, and it's been working fine ever since. I don't know if God healed it. I don't know if my cousin just is not tech savvy. I don't know what the deal is, but I don't care because guess what? This computer has more memory, has more RAM, and it can handle what I'm doing with it. God took care of it. And it didn't have to be offensive to my mother because my computer broke. How could she argue with that? I didn't break it or I didn't think I'd broken it. So God solved both situations for me. I didn't have to be hurtful to my mother for something she had done for me, but at the same time, I was blessed with something that I needed uh, to help me with my job. A tough one that seems to be facing our country, and probably has for a long time, but people are starting to speak out about it and should be, but, you know, what if we're facing discrimination or harassment at work or in life, especially if the company or people that we're around or working for aren't supportive. You know, it's one thing when you got a group of people around you that support you and help you out and take on your battle with you. It's another when you're going it alone. And how are you going to have the peace that you need to go through the tough situations? Unfortunately, we live in a world with some stupid people that don't understand the God that we serve, and don't understand the value that he created in every single life. And unfortunately, they can't see what God sees. And so they respond in the only way they know how. And a lot of times that's in jealousy. A lot of times that's in hate. But most of it is just due to lack of understanding and love. What do you do in those situations? You better have the peace that passes all understanding, or else you'll lash out and you'll do things that will harm your life. Let me give you three more examples, and I want to tell you a story. What if you're separated from your family, whether by choice or not by choice? That can be a a tough situation. What if you're falsely accused of wrongdoing? What if you're thrown in jail, especially when you're not guilty? You know, all three of these examples remind me of a fellow by the name of Joseph. Joseph did some mighty things. He just did some mighty things for God and for the children of Israel and for his family. But he went through some challenges. And As you get to reading the story of Joseph, you know, one of the things that he did was he acted like a 17-year-old spoiled brat. In Genesis, it talks about Joseph... Being 17 years old, and like any good 17-year-old youngest, I don't see Josh. Did he leave? Of course he did, because he knew I was going to be talking about him today. He doesn't believe me when I tell him that the youngest is always the most spoiled, but I'm telling you, he is. And just like any good spoiled teenage young child, at age 17, Joseph ratted on his brothers. That's right. It says in Genesis 37-2, and Joseph brought back a bad report. About them talking about his brothers to their father And as you can tell it probably didn't sit too well with the brothers But that's okay If that wasn't enough to push him over the edge, then he has a dream Okay, and god shows him that eventually All of his brothers are going to bow down to him So being an arrogant little spoiled brat He shares that dream with them. I just want y'all to know one day you're going to bow down to me. And for some reason, the brothers didn't receive that very well. But they spared him. And then at some point, his daddy, just to make things worse, gives him this nice, beautiful coat. Which wouldn't have been a problem, except I don't read anywhere where he did that for any of the other brothers. So now he's ratting them out. He's telling them how he's going to bow down to them and then he's getting special gifts from his dad It would make any older brother crazy. Spoken from an older brother who had a younger brother who received many gifts like this. (laughs) (laughs) Then, one more time, Joseph, being unpersuaded by his previous actions, decides to just jam the knife in and turn it one more time, And he has another dream, one because God wants to definitely let him know that he does have a plan for him, but he shares it with his brothers one more time. Hey, in case y'all didn't hear me the first time, y'all going to bow down to me, just letting you know. So like any good older brothers do, they plotted to kill Joseph. So... Thankfully, one of the brothers had a level head, Judah, and he said, well, let, let's don't kill him. L- let's sell him and make some money off of him. We need, we need to get some money for this joker. He's caused us so much pain and he's arrogant. We might as well get something for our troubles. So they throw him in a pit and eventually sell him, okay? And then those people sell him to Potiphar. Now, this is God right here, okay? See, at this time, I fully believe that Joseph has the peace of God. And the reason I believe that is because of the following scriptures where it talks about in Genesis 39, where Potiphar saw Joseph, and, he, and, he, and Joseph it says that in 39.2, the Lord was with Joseph, so he became a successful man. And he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And now his master saw that the Lord was with him and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper in his hand. Let me say that part one more time. Now his master, this was Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with him. If you're around somebody that's pitching a fit, crying, whining, and stressed out, are you seeing the Lord working through them? So I'm using that as an example, and I believe it to be that Joseph knew God was in control. Again, the journey's not easy. But Potiphar saw this, and so what did Potiphar do? Potiphar saw that favor, and he put Joseph in charge of everything, put him in charge of his entire house. So now Joseph's riding high again, and things are going well. In fact, it's going so well, women are literally throwing themselves at him. So Potiphar's wife sees Joseph, likes Joseph, and wants Joseph. But Joseph, being a man of God, realizes that obviously this is not something he should do. And I want to I make the point right here that with success comes temptation. You know, a lot of times we want successes in our lives But if we truly trust God, he understands what we can handle and what we can't handle. Because God understands that the higher we rise, the more people want to bring us down. And so if you're going to have success, you're going to have to learn to ride those highs and those lows with the peace that passes all understanding. Because there are people, more importantly, there are spirits. The Bible says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against spirits, principalities of darkness. And Satan is always wanting to chop us down. So with success came temptation, but having no success in persuading Joseph, Potiphar's wife lied on Joseph and it landed him in jail. He was falsely accused. It didn't matter. He's still in jail. How many times we've been in a situation that seems very negative by human eyes that we didn't, we don't feel like we deserved, you know, but God had a plan. See, Joseph wanted out of jail. God wasn't ready for him to get out just yet. So Joseph interprets a dream for the king's cupbearer. And having made a connection with an important person, tells him, listen, I did this for you. How about do something for me and remember me in front of the king? And the cupbearer being excited with joy says, absolutely. And just like any person... In his position, totally forgets about Joseph. So here, Joseph has hope that he's about to get out of jail, but God had another plan. What well, says in verse thirty-nine? I'm sorry, chapter thirty-nine, verse twenty-one. But the Lord was with Joseph and extended kindness to him and gave him favor. There's that word again. Gave him favor in the sight of the chief jailer. The chief jailer committed to Joseph's charge all the prisoners who were in the jail so that whatever was done there, he was responsible for it. Check this next part out. The chief jailer did not supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made to prosper. God put so much favor on him that the man in charge put Joseph in charge. Let me remind you, Joseph was there because he was an inmate. Joseph hadn't put in an application to work there. He was being held there. Now, we know it was false charges, but they didn't know that. And yet the favor of God rested on him so much that the chief jailer saw that in him. So I contend with you again that even though he'd been forgotten again, in his eyes he wanted out, God wanted him in. So guess what he did? He stayed in and he served God. And he let that favor shine forward so that the chief jailer saw that. And he was put in charge of everything again. You know, we want the vision of power and charge, but not always the journey that gets us there. Joseph was shown to be in a great power, uh, I'm sorry, a place of great power early in life, but before everything went haywire in man's eyes. But everywhere Joseph went, he was given favor by God and put in charge, and he prospered. You know, God will do the same for us if we just trust him in his way, quit trying to worry about how we think we're supposed to get there. That's that peace of God that passes all understanding. Remember what I'm telling you about today is what is it? What is the peace of God? That's what I'm trying to communicate to you today is that even though you're thrown in jail falsely, God is going to let man see him through you if you'll allow him to, and he will prosper your journey. He will make you successful. Remember, it's, it's, it's God's plan, not my plan. Then Joseph catches a break. Pharaoh has a dream that he can't interpret. None of the magicians can interpret and none of the wise men are quote unquote, so-called wise men could interpret either. Now the cupbearer remembers Joseph and he says, Hey, I was with this guy that interpreted my dream. Maybe he can interpret yours. Now let me just, let me just let you know here. It's not like a democracy. The king can get mad and have a bad day and kill you. So you're already in jail If you can't interpret, there's a chance he can get mad and kill you. Why not? You're already in jail. Who cares? So I read that as Joseph got a chance, but by man's eyes, guess what? That could have been a very scary thing because if you don't get it right, it could be the end of your life. But we don't read that, do we? We don't see any of that. We don't even see Joseph stutter, stammer, or or hold up for a second. You got a dream? I don't know it, but God knows it. Let me pray. Let me see what God says. So he interprets the dream. And Pharaoh sees God through him. Now, if he gets out of jail before that, I don't know if he's called upon to interpret Pharaoh's dream. If he never gets thrown in jail, he never has the encounter with the cupbearer, and he never has the encounter with the Pharaoh who then put him in charge of all of Egypt. So he's in charge of a little bit of stuff for his father being a little wet behind the ears and young. He kind of a little arrogant. But what I'm telling you is that's not the reason that he got thrown into the pit and sold into slavery. God had a plan. So we see it as something was done wrong to him. There was an injustice done to him. And if I'm Joseph without the training of Christ, I'm wanting revenge on those suckers that threw me in the pit and sold me into slavery. But, you know, I've read Genesis several times now. I, I don't see that part. As a matter of fact, let me just read to you what Pharaoh says here. We're going to look at chapter 41, verse 38 through 44. Then Pharaoh said to his servants, now this is after Joseph has interpreted Pharaoh's dream and told him there's going to be seven years of um, of prosperity followed by seven years of famine, okay? And Pharaoh says, can we find a man like this in whom is a divine spirit? Notice that the next part doesn't say he listened for responses from his servants, nor did he take any of their advice. Translation, it was a rhetorical question. He already knew the answer. So Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has informed you of all this, there is no one so discerning and wise as you are. This guy was in jail. And yet God allowed Pharaoh to see God through uh, Joseph so much that Pharaoh says, you shall be over my house. I don't have just a couple acres. I don't have just a jail. I got all of Egypt. And you're going to be over my house. And according to your command, this is the guy in charge. This is the number one man. He said, hey, you're going to get all the power. You're going to command all my people. Okay, Only in the throne will I be greater than you, Pharaoh said to Joseph. He said, see, I've set you over all the land of Egypt. Now watch the next few verses here. Then Pharaoh took off his signet ring from his hand and put it on Joseph's hand and clothed him in garments of fine linen and put the gold necklace around his neck. He wanted to make sure everybody in the land knew what authority Joseph had and he did that by putting his clothes on him. See, if we'll do it God's way, he'll take off his signet ring and his garments and put it around us, and he'll have, we'll walk around in God's authority, and people will see that on us, just like they saw it with Joseph. Then Pharaoh had him ride in his second chariot, and they proclaimed before him, bow the knee. Wait a minute, it seems like there was a dream about bowing the knee. Now, it didn't, come, it, wasn't, it didn't come full circle yet, but this was the start of the bowing part. See, I've been in a state of, see, I told you so. I don't read that for Joseph. And he set him over all the land of Egypt. Moreover, Pharaoh said to Joseph, check this out right here. Though I am Pharaoh, yet without your permission, no one shall raise his hand or foot in all the land of Egypt. I'm in charge but we're going to get your permission. <laughs> Does that make any sense to anybody that I'm speaking to right now? I'm the guy with all the power. you tell me one leader of any nation country that doesn't have just a little bit of an ego and wants to be the person in ultimate power. And yet he says nobody's going to move a muscle without your say so. Without your permission, gave him everything. I want to recap real quick what we've talked about with Joseph here because the story goes on even further. And I'm going to shorten the last part before I, I kind of recap because I want I want to make the point of what is the spirit, what is the peace of God, okay? But eventually, everyone in his family is reunited. Here's the part you may not realize. It took over 20 years for that to happen. See, we're frustrated and struggling for things in our lives because they haven't come about after six months, after a year, after five years, after 10 years. It took over 20 years for that dream to come full circle And in that time, there's obviously other lessons about how Joseph grew up and how Joseph matured. And maybe there was a time where he would have done an I told you so. But by the time we get to the reunion, he gets so overcome with emotion that before he reveals himself to his brothers, he has to leave the room to cry for a minute because he don't want them to see him break down. But he's so overcome with emotion, not hatred, but love. He's so overwhelmed with love. How did he make it to that point without the peace of God? See, my comprehension says he should have broken down multiple times throughout that journey. But he didn't. The only way I know you do that is you get the peace of God that does what? Surpasses all comprehension. That exceeds it. So let me just quickly recap this for you here. Things are going well. Had a dream about being in charge. Had two dreams. His father was showing him tremendous love. He even got his own very own coat. Now I'm in Joseph's perspective, right? Things are going really well. Everything's happening for you. He don't realize his brother's about to do some bad things to him. Then things are not going so well. Gets sold into slavery. Then he gets sold again. But then things are going well again. Because God has seen through him. So now he's put in charge of everything. Then things aren't going so well. People are lying about him. He gets thrown in jail. He gets accused of doing, you know, sleeping with another man's wife. But then things are going well again. God's, God's showing through him again, and the chief jailer sees God through him. So now he's put in charge of the whole jail. Then things aren't going so well because somebody of importance forgot him. Then things are going extremely well. Interprets the dream of the most important person, the Pharaoh of the land. Then he's put in charge of all of Egypt. You know, there's so much going on in this world that it's easy to lose track and to lose focus. The only way you're gonna make it through all of these challenges and these ups and downs and things going well and things not going well is if you find that peace of God. In order to find it, you've gotta be able to identify it. So the whole purpose of the message today was to help you see what is that peace that passes all understanding. And I gave you multiple examples in a story of Joseph. Without the peace of God, you will break in those situations without knowing who Jesus Christ is, you will not survive all that this world throws at you. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday for service times, location, and other information about the church please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's Southside Christian Fellowship